Knights of March are coming. Aye, Caesar, but not gone. The Daily Rios for March 15th, 2013. In the past two weeks, I put out episodes on a timeline Tuesday for March, taking a look at comic book anniversaries. I did an episode celebrating CGS's eighth year anniversary. I talked about some conventions coming up in the next few months, a few other odds and ends, but it was this week's Movie Monday episode that garnered the most reactions for today's Feedback Friday. So let's start there. Dave S. in Philly wrote, I know you said you liked Die Hard 4 better than 2, and your points on 2 weren't unfounded, but 4 definitely took the ordinary guy aspect out of the franchise. I have seen 5, and it's not that great as far as Die Hard films go, but like 4, it's still a decent action flick. I'd personally rate them 1, 3, 2, 5, 4, with 5 just edging out 4. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing number 5. I mean, obviously just because uh, it means I'm caught up on the franchise. Um, but I, I heard there were some mixed reviews on number 5. So, um, you know, whenever that hits on demand or however else I'm going to see it, I will let everyone know what I thought. Uh, Dave continues and says, I really like Prometheus as well. I went opening weekend and saw it in IMAX 3D out in King of Prussia, and it was breathtaking. Definitely hoping for future installments of that aspect of the Alien franchise. Now, that's something I miss um, about, about the movie, is that I didn't see it in the movie theater, right? I said before that I don't necessarily always need to see movies in the movie theater, but this one... And Dave nails it, you know. Uh, yeah, I really wish uh, that was still in the movie theater so I could see that because I'm sure there were some th- things in in that. Some some of the details of um, the pyramid that they go in, you know, a lot of that stuff really probably stood out on the screen, and uh, it gave you the sense of scope, right? Um, the stuff that happens at the end of the movie, um, yeah, they're, they're probably I I missed out a lot on that, but um, oh well. Uh, he continues, finally, he says, Since you ended up enjoying Fastbender as David so much, I've got another film, film recommendation for you that I'm guessing you've not yet seen, and that's the film David was watching on Prometheus while the crew were all in stasis. David Lean's epic Lawrence of Arabia. It's rather long, but well worth checking out. Now, that's a movie that uh, Brian over at Comic Geek Speak, he always... Uh, cites that as a movie that he really enjoys in terms of the movie making and the scope and the grandeur of it. And I didn't recognize it when I saw it in the Prometheus movie. I have not seen Lawrence of Arabia, but I, I know a little bit enough of it um, that um, I ha- I still had to look up, you know, what, what movie David was watching. And uh, there are some articles that say why they feel that David, the character of David, watches that particular movie, and um, uh, it certainly adds a lot to the underlying themes and and of identity and things like that. All to say, yes, I I do want to see that movie. Um, it's it's been on my list of movies to see because they are classics, because they are considered great, and um, I'm always willing to give. Those kind of things, um, they're due, you know, certainly in books and musicals and comics, so I should do the same 
for movies as well. So that'll be on my list, uh, you know, way down the way. <laughs> um, uh, Chris Beckett also responds to the Movie Monday episode. He says, I agree with much of what you said about Prometheus. It was a fun science fiction film that was beautifully shot, not as deep as I might prefer. I wish Idris Elba had been given more to work with, along with Charlize Theron and others. But as long as it kept me interested and engaged, I can't complain. I had no problem with it not being an alien movie and look forward to any possible sequels, especially if they can get Michael Fassbender back. Like you mentioned, he was phenomenal. He continues on and says, A couple other films I've watched recently were Morning Glory with Harrison Ford and Diane Keaton, and I'm in the middle of The Company Men. Uh, Morning Glory wasn't bad, not great, but Ford and Keaton certainly brought it up to a level where I didn't turn it off 15 minutes in. And Company Men is engaging thus far with Tommy Lee Jones and Craig T. Nelson, Nelson putting in strong performances while I wait to see if Chris Cooper is given a bit more to work with in the latter half. Uh, finally, concerning Aaron Sorkin's idea of what the social network movie is, seek out Rashomon, seek out Seven Samurai, seek out High and Low, seek out anything by Akira Kurosawa, except for a second film, the title which ex escapes me now, which was pro uh, a propaganda film. Kurosawa cites it as his favorite film, but that's because he met his wife on set. I've watched maybe a handful of his films, and with the exception of the propaganda film, they have all been incredibly engaging despite the simplicity of the surface elements. Kurosawa is often cited as the film director, the most revered above any other, and I can see why after watching a number of him of his films. Thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, uh, I guess I just have to add that to the list. Add it to the list. Boy, if I actually wrote this list <laughs> of all the movies I need to see, of all the books I need to see, of all the TV shows I need to see, of all the comics I need to read, of all the musicals I need to learn, that would be a long list. It's a metaphysical list right now. It's, a, it's an abstract list. It's a figurative list. It's not a literal list. But we keep them nonetheless. All right, uh, one more feedback to the uh, Movie Monday episode, and uh, this is from Eric at the Long Box Review Podcast. Peter, hi, it's Eric from the Long Box Review Podcast. Hey, I just listened to your uh, Movie Monday episode, and uh, you mentioned something about John Cusack uh, being one of your favorite actors, and it, it was it was like music to my ears because he's he's been one of my favorite actors uh, for a long time now, and and I don't think he gets enough credit uh, for the the work that he does. So I was really hoping that maybe sometime in the future that you could uh, do an episode focusing on John Cusack movies. Just a thought. I'd love to hear what you have to say about him. Talk to you later. Definitely, Eric, and, and thanks for that. And uh, I owe you some feedback, Eric, uh, for a couple of uh, episodes that I've heard of your podcast. So expect that uh, in, in a week or so. Um, John Cusack, yeah, you know, way back Nick Q wrote in to ask if I could talk about some of my favorite actors and maybe provide a couple scenes discussing um, or, or giving examples of, of their their work. And I did one for Jack Nicholson uh, and I can certainly do the same for John Cusack. I think it probably just goes back to some of the earliest movies I saw John Cusack in uh, from the 80s. Uh, you know, his bit part in 16 Candles. But really, it was Better Off Dead. 
and One Crazy Summer, those two movies that uh, cemented him in my brain as an actor that I could uh, sort of see myself as and relate to, and just the zaniness of those two movies. <laughs> I haven't even seen all of John Cusack's movies, but um, I just like what he does. He's not the greatest actor in the world. I'm not giving him that title, but I enjoy his work, and there's something that I connect with uh, whenever I watch his stuff and I see him on the screen. Uh, one of the other movies that he does that is one of my favorite books and uh, kind of one of my favorite movies um, is High Fidelity, and uh, mostly because it mirrors uh, a relationship I had, um, I guess, at that time, right? It was a movie that I always wanted to see, and my ex and I just rented it on a whim. I had no idea what it was about, and here it's about a relationship going south, um, uh, a little discussion about infidelity, right? Or, or I should say a little something going on with that. And that mirrored a lot what was going on with my relationship at that time. And it devastated my ex and I at the t when we watched it because uh, we had no idea it was going to be so close to what was going on with us. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was almost the same exact thing. You know, she uh, she had cheated on me. He, in the movie, John Cusack's character in the movie, Rob, is is uh, all about records and collecting albums and uh you know you could transfer that and and substitute comic books in you know <laughs> with where the records were um it was just an interesting movie so anyway um John Cusack really dig his stuff mostly because I just enjoy watching him on the screen and watching his performances uh they you know it's not they're not always so different from one another but I really like his work so yeah it probably stems back from better off dead and, um, yeah, I'll certainly do an episode on that. Why not? Uh, anything to talk about, uh, movies that I really, really like. Okay. Sandy Parker writes in about the Travel Tuesday episode where I talked about conventions that are coming up in, uh, you know, next couple months. And he says the year CGS came down to Megacon was held in the newer convention center, the one that looks like a modern day Crystal Palace. I remember talking to you guys, Murd and Pants mainly. You were chatting up some of the younger anime attendees. Who? Me? No. Uh, so we only exchanged howdies. The family and I will be going again this weekend, giving away some free samples of a serial I've started called Stencil and Long Box Diving. Thinking about buying some art to and people watching, Megacon is an always fascinating, sometimes bewildering people watching event. I've been every year since 2000, crazy to see Crazy to see how much it has grown over the years. I actually checked out Stencil by Sandy Parker. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow Stencil at The Stencil Eps. And Stencil is a, a book. You can get it on Amazon. And it examines the societal fallout of a city full of super beings. But here's the thing. Once you buy it, you buy it once, and then it updates, and you keep getting new content. So it's uh, episodic. In a way, so I'll provide uh, links to both of the the Twitter account and the Amazon link. And Sandy, by all means, um, feel free to drop me, uh, you know, some information if I got any of that wrong, or just stuff to clarify what what you're working on. I think that's really cool. Speaking of conventions, there was one convention that I, I meant to list, and I didn't I didn't list every convention from here to May, but uh, these were the ones that maybe I just had you know, some kind of personal stake in or 
um, I've been to before, or I know people who run them. But anyway, the Appleseed Comics and Art Convention in Fort Wayne um, at the Grand Wayne Center, Indiana. This is May 11th, and it's from a one-day event from 10 to 6 p.m., run by the creators, or I should say run by the organizers who used to run the Summit City Convention, and it's been renamed, and uh, it's run by Zach Cruzy. It's a great show. It's a one-day show with a lot of artists. You can go to appleseedcon.com. If you're anywhere in the area or driving distance, you should check it out. Uh, who's going to be there? Uh, people such as Mike Norton and Nate Powell and Tom Scioli and Steve Bryant and Stuart Sager, Laura Innes, Tom Kelly, and many, many, many more. It's like a giant artist alley. So check it out, appleseedcon.com on May 11th. Okay, Daryl Taylor sends in a comment about the review episode from February 28th, and he says, I'm so glad you shouted out Keith Giffen and company for their great job. They did updating Marvel Cosmic. And it's because I was reading Guardians of the Galaxy Point One, and in the letters pages, they mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy, and they mentioned how they have been... Um, you know, sort of been popular in the past couple of years, but they really didn't go back to what made this new version of Star-Lord popular and what made Marvel Cosmic so popular, you know, because of editors such as Andy Schmidt and um, uh, Bill Roseman and creators like Keith Giffen. And, uh, you know, this uh, Marvel Cosmic stuff dates all the way back to Drax the Destroyer 4-issue miniseries, um, this was back in 2004, and Keith Giffen wrote the last six issues on a Thanos series, and that had a lot of the seed work that would lead into Annihilation. And then Annihilation, Annihilation finally kicked off in 2005. Um, there was a lot, you know, way before we got even got to a Guardians of the Galaxy series, the first series before the new Marvel Now rebranding. Um, you know, there was the whole Annihilation event, Annihilation Conquest. I talked about that. There was War of Kings. I totally forgot there was something called Realm of Kings, which I don't even think I read much of. And then there was the Thanos Imperative that kind of closed out that corner of uh, what was going on with Marvel Cosmic. Um, the Nova series way back was really popular when it first hit. There was some stuff mixed in with Inhumans, with... Vulcan from the X-Men universe. So yeah, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy popularity goes way beyond just that series that started uh, a number of years ago. So I felt, yes, the people that really ignited Marvel Cosmic, along with writers like Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning and all that, but the ones that kind of went back even before that, they deserved a shout-out. Hassan T talked about the throwback Thursday episode I did on the CGS anniversary and said, uh, forgot that Stump the Rios was introduced in the first CGS. You and Brian were great together. Thanks. And then Jeff on Tumblr asked, love that the clips of the first Comic Geek Speak episode on yesterday's drop. You should go episode by episode and give a Rios commentary for each. That would be amazeballs, Jeff. <laughs> Wow, that would be quite an undertaking. I, I, I responded on Tumblr to his request, or his, uh, yeah, his request, and said that that would be cool maybe for like a 10th anniversary retrospective, you know, 
when there's a lot of distance from some of those earliest episodes. And of course I would have to get permission to do that, but um, no, I mean, you know, in all seriousness, yeah, that would be cool. Cause I, if there's anybody that knows sort of the ins and outs of what went on behind the scenes and uh, how we got certain interviews and uh, things that happened on the air, I, you know, as, as, as the producer of that show for how many years, yeah, that's probably stuff I would, I would know. So some of that knowledge is actually very interesting. So maybe someday I'll do that. And finally, Chris Beckett talks about this Thursday's episode and says, yes, comic space. I had an account, got an opportunity to do a translation for an artist's comic story, discovered how difficult that really is and had to bow out when it started taking up too much of my time with little to show for it. Also, was surprised Jose Luis Garcia Lopez wasn't on your 100 Things You Love About DC list. He was, actually. I, I dropped in Atari Force and Twilight, the three-issue Twilight series that he drew with Howard Chaikin. He wasn't listed by himself as his own artist, and I don't think I had many people that were uh, outside of, like, George Perez. And I know I mentioned Jerry Ordway, but mostly because of Jerry Ordway's art on those Earth 2 books. That's the stuff that I really, really dug. And Felt gave those um, two titles, All-Star Squadron and Infinity Inc., uh, an interesting look and, a, and, a, and a, just a, a neat connection. But I didn't make it about creators because they were more about, you know, sort of the DC thing. And, of course, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez was a big part of DC. But, uh, yeah, between Atari Force and Twilight, he is well-represented. Um so I think that's probably why I didn't include him. He's certainly on my top five, top ten artists list. But um, for DC-centric stuff, it was more about that. So I hope that clarifies that. Great. Uh, that's it for today's episode. Short and sweet for tonight. Happy episode 100 to the Sanyo cast. Congratulations on that. And I hope everyone has a safe and fun St. Patty's if you celebrate the show that I uh, was working on closes this weekend, so and our closing day is Sunday. So I imagine we'll be having a little bit of fun. And uh, then, you know, I get back to school next week, and uh, we start uh, heading towards spring. Yay, please, spring. I need, this, I need warmer weather. <laughs> All right, thanks for writing in. You can reach me at peter at thedailyrios.com. You can visit the website at thedailyrios.com. Go send, a, go write me an iTunes review if you so wish, if you like what you hear. And I hope everybody has a safe weekend. I will see you on Monday.